Actually, maraming din nagkwento sa akin ang tungkol sa ano sa pagsakay nila sa ano sa MRT, LRT. Yung ano, yung mga with ADHD, 'di ba? Yung mga kasamahan natin ng mga deaf and hard of hearing, 'di ba? Yung may mga intellectual impairment. Wala naman yan physical na manifestation. Uh, unlike sa bulag, wheelchair user, ay kitang-kita, no? So, doon pa lang sa linya, 'di ba? Tinitingnan na yan, no? Kasi parang tataka sila, bakit nasa quote unquote, no, nasa special lane. Eh wala naman akong nakikita, no, nakakaibahan dito, no, sa individual na to. Isa yan. Pagpasok pa lang, pagbili na lang nila ng ticket. So magtatanong din, eh bakit may discount ka? Eh wala namang manifestation eh. O isa pa yan. So minsan may, may ano, bubulong-bulong yan. And then, di ba, so ano na, dyan na sila, pipila na dyan sila, di ba? So karamihan yan, di ba, meron tayong tinatawag na special coach sa unahan banda, di ba, for, for women, for persons with disabilities and for the pregnant. So pagpasok pa lang nila dyan, magbubulong-bulong na yan ulit. Parang, bakit nandito ang taong na to? Bakit yung bata nandito? Saan na doon sila sa likod? Hindi naman to para sa kanila. Alam naman nila na ano, and this is exclusively for women, for those pregnant, or for the elderly and persons with disabilities. Pero, hindi nila alam na ang pagkaroon ng kapansanan ay hindi lang for those with apparent condition. Mas marami no, ang invisible and non-apparent condition. Akali gumagawa din kami dati ng orientation on how to handle passengers no with disability. No at nagbibigay din kami ng orientation din for the security guards no pero siguro mas palawakin pa ang ating adbokasya. Dito rin actually maganda yung LRT, yung ano nila yung floor may tactile diyan eh. So maganda siya kasi yung tactile niyan are designed for our friends who are with visual impairment. So sana no lahat ng mga terminal ng LRT, MRT meron siyang ano tactile at saka may mga braille para makapag-maneuver ang mga persons with visual impairment. Isa pa dito no na palagi naming uh, dinadala sa lahat ng mga meeting namin with Department of Transportation with MRT LRT sana ngayon no uh, nagfa-function na ang mga elevator pero dati almost all elevators ay hindi yan nagfa-function so nung nagkaroon kami ng ano accessibility audit especially makasama natin malalaking babae at malalaking lalaki binubuhat sila no ng mga security guard mula sa baba hanggang <laughs> hanggang sa taas. So imagine, aside from the danger, yung dignidad mo bilang isang taong gumagamit ng wheelchair. So yun, titingnan natin no, na, na dapat ang servisyo natin ay hindi binabawasan yung dignidad no, ng mga service users natin. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Small Talks, Big Moves, conversations for a more inclusive society. This podcast explores community solutions through creative research methods, and each season is focused on a specific sector. Welcome to Season 1, Creating an Inclusive Society for People with Disabilities. Hi, this is Ken. And I'm Nicole. And hello to our listeners. You just heard Mr. Ranil Sorongon and his suggestions on how to make the train stations here in the Philippines safer and more inclusive. 
So, Ken, you are familiar with the train stations that Mr. Ranil is talking about, right? Yes. So, as someone who is a student at the university belt, this is something that's very familiar to us. Exactly. So, Ken and I went to the same university. So, what Sir Ranil was explaining is basically like our everyday. Yes. So, when I was in college, I used the train a lot. There was this one time where me and my friend were at the station. We're at the platform where this yellow Lego-like things were on the floor. And it was new to me. And so, I asked my friend what those are for. And mind you, I was in college back then. I wasn't aware of the needs of the community back then. And my friend as well did not know what they were. It made me realize that there are already accommodations in place. And it is also important for regular people in society to understand what these accommodations, what these elements are for. Yes, and these accommodations are present everywhere around us. And these might seem a very minimal and small modification on how we are able to access the train, for example, or how we are able to go up the ramp or the stairs. But these are just simple simple modifications that we can do to make spaces more accessible to people with disabilities. And also, Nicole, as you have noticed or heard from Sir Ranil's story, there are a lot of disabilities present in our society. And most of those disabilities are usually non-apparent disabilities. So this means that it isn't very obvious or easily seen by the eyes. And so it's easy for prying eyes or for people who might not be aware of the different types of disability that people who don't have a physical manifestation have them. And they sometimes have opinions towards it. Sometimes it's a sad situation. But I guess it also gives us an opportunity to create these spaces and projects wherein we are able to inform them about the different conditions and the lives of PWDs. That's true. And the story that Sir Ranil shared, again, shows us a different perspective. We're aware that most of the members of the PWD communities here in the Philippines belong to low-income communities. Therefore, they don't have vehicles of their own. So they really need to access the trains to go about their day, to go to their destinations, to go to work, to go to school, etc. So imagine if you're someone who's in a hurry and the elevator is not working. Or sometimes, just because you know that there may be you know, some unkind treatments towards you when you go to the train station, you'd rather not go to school, you'd rather not go to work, you'd just stay at home. It, it's sad that these things can happen to people people with disabilities just because they don't have a choice. And you can even say that these accommodations, these environmental changes, the simple changes that we could do is the fine line that excludes people with disability or them being included in society. So you've just heard the story of Suranil. And as you might have heard, Suranil's experience goes leaps and bounds. And you could just assume how his experiences and his stories are able to shape his perspective towards disability. And now we're more interested to hear his thoughts on how to make the society more inclusive. So joining us in this episode is Sir Ranil. Hi sir, if you can kindly introduce yourself to our listeners. Ako si Ranilo Sorongon sa kasalukuyan. Ako ay isang program manager no, sa, sa Norfield Foundation. Bago akong naging program manager sa Norfield Foundation, 11 years ako naging executive director ng Autism Society Philippines. Nakapagtrabaho din ako sa Asia Pacific Development Center on Disability 
Philippines. Uh, nasa Bangkok ang opisina nito. Ako ang nagiging sekretarya ng ASEAN Autism Network. Ito ay binubuo ng iba't ibang samahan ng mga magulang na may anak na may autism no, sa Southeast Asia. At after that, no, nagtrabaho ako hanggang ngayon sa Northfield Foundation. Hi, Sir Neil. This is Nicole. Thank you so much for that. And um, I've noticed that you spent most of your life volunteering or joining organizations to serve people. So I'm just wondering, what motivated you to live a life dedicated to, to civil service organizations? Yeah, uh, actually, no. Uh, I'm from Iloilo City. I grew up in an informal environment kung sa atin pa simislam yung lugar namin. No, actually, yung tawag sa aming lugar ay Barrio Obrero sa Iloilo City. And nag, uh, nag-aral ako sa isang mission school ng mga madre. No, and high school, no, uh, sa isang religious school pa rin ng mga Agustinian. And nag-college ako sa West Visayas State University. University. Uh, natulungan no nakakuha ng scholarship no hanggang sa mga na-graduate ako no sa West Visayas State University. After that, bumalik ako sa alma mater ko at nagturo for 11 years. Actually, doon ko nakita din yung aking misis. Member kami ng isang volunteer organization, Associate Missionaries of the Assumption, volunteer program. So, doon, no, doon talaga nag, nagsimula ang aking desire to serve and to give back to the community. Nung nagtrabaho na ako no sa Autism Society Philippines at at dito no sa sa engagement ko with the disability sector. Na-recall ko no yung aking days no as a teacher, as an elementary school teacher. Naisip ko siguro may mga dati akong estudyante na tinatawag natin na may, na may impairment. Specifically, siguro meron silang intellectual impairment. Kung bakit napaka-slow no na, ng kanilang learning hindi ko rin dati maintindihan no bakit may iba akong estudyante na ang kanilang mga handwriting ay kakaiba nagde-jumble-jumble di ba hirap na hirap sila mag magcompute sa math so parang ngayon ko lang iniisip baka talaga meron silang learning impairment baka meron silang dyslexia no uh, meron sila sigurong dyscalculia no at may intellectual impairment so i think no yun ang aking experiences hindi siya formal no na nakaranasan persons with disability through my students pero kahit sa aming barangay meron din na uh, persons with psychosocial impairment or ang tinatawag natin with a quote unquote with mental illness pero masabi ko na I'm I'm dealing with them in a nice way and then ako rin no meron din akong kapatid parang survivor din siya ng psychosocial meron din akong pamangkin na dumaan din no na nagkaroon ng depression mga ranasan no when it comes to persons with disabilities no specifically doon sa aming community and sa sa pamilya ko mismo Sir Neil I'm also from Iloilo and I I'm very happy to hear that someone is also at Ilonggo that is in a leadership position I'm just curious and I also just wanted to ask because you already have a wide experience working with all of these CSOs and nonprofits I'm just curious about the prevailing assumptions that you may have might have heard 
at the beginning of your career and some of the assumptions that are still present now? Generally, ito yung prevailing assumptions or prevailing perspective no? on looking at persons with, with disabilities at from the charity model na nakawawa sila, hindi nila kayang mamuhay ng kanilang sarili, dapat tulungan natin sila dapat diyan lang sila sa bahay so yan yung mga prevailing no na mga perspective on looking at persons with disabilities and aside from that meron din isa pang tinatawag natin na perspective the medical model ito yung tingin na pag persons with disability ay pasyente na dapat magrely sila sa mga experts sa mga doctors dito no nanggaling na ang ang terminolohiya na normal and abnormal. So kung persons with disability ka, ikaw ay abnormal. Kaya dapat ayusin ka dahil ikaw ay may sakit. Hindi no ang desisyon no ng mga taong may kapansanan. Kaya uh, lumalabas pa rin ang terminolohiya na ang mga pasyente ko yan. Na sana partner no and then sana they are the service users. Hindi sila pasyente. But we are slowly going no uh, to the social model and hopefully no to the human rights model on looking at persons with disabilities. Ken and Sir Ranil, if I may, if I may ask, because I do not work within the disability sector. So, what model are we advocating for at the moment? So, there's really a movement from the charity to the medical, going to the social model and going to the human rights model. Kung sa charity no at medical model sinasabi na ang problema sa taong may kapansanan no it's them no pero pag nagsabi tayo na social model nagsi-shift no ang ang problema hindi sa taong may kapansanan kundi yung pag-organize pag-aayos no ng kanyang kapaligiran so dapat ayusin no ang kapaligiran para maka-participate actively o sa lahat ng mga gawain ang taong may kapansanan. Yan ang sinasabi no ng social model. Sumagsabi so naman tayo no na na human rights model sinasabi dito na lahat ng mga tao ay may karapatan. May kapansanan man siya o wala. Pantay-pantay yung ating karapatan at mga obligasyon. At dapat ang ating pamahalaan implement niya yung mga polisiya, yung mga batas sa lahat. At dapat lahat ay may access to justice. Equality before the eyes of the law. At dapat regulate din no, ng ating gobyerno no, ang mga private sector. Kasi bahagi yan ng kanyang mandato bilang the primary duty bearers. At ang mga taong may kapansanan dito, sila ang mga tinatawag natin ng mga rights holder. Sila ang may mga karapatan. So you've mentioned that PWDs are right holders from the human rights model. And using this model, by making people with disabilities more aware and having their rights more accessible to them, gives them power. Sir, I'm just curious about what is your definition of empowerment? Para sa akin, yung empowerment ay ang pagbibigay ng pagkakataon no, na mabibigyan ng kapangyarihan ang isang individual or ang isang tao. Pero maganda siguro sabihin ko no, na karamihan ka kasi ng mga bata 
or mga persons with disability, ang issue kasi dito is powerlessness. Na sila ay makagawa ng sariling desisyon, makasali no, sa anumang mga iba't ibang gawain dahil sa kanilang sitwasyon sa buhay, parang uh, yung economic situation nila. Siguro pagkaroon nila no, ng kapansanan dahil sila ay bata because of their gender preference, because of their ethnicity. So yan kasi yung iba't ibang para sa akin no uh, kadahilanan kung bakit nagiging powerless tong mga tao. So bibigyan natin sila ng pagkakataon para ma-regain nila ang kanilang totoong karapatan no at ma-empower sila. Sila din yung makapag-decide. Hindi natin pwedeng ipilit sa kanila yung sa atin. Ultimately, it's still the decision of that individual. So, sir, um, empowerment is something that's really hard to measure. So, how do we say that the community is empowered? Maganda yung tanong mo, Nicole. No? <laughs> dapat kasi sa mga ginagawa natin, pag masabi mo na isang bata, empowered siya, dapat may indicator. Wala pa akong na-encounter na concrete na indicator or rubrics no, para ma-measure. Pero para sa akin, pag una pa lang siya, napakamahiyain, ayaw magsalita. Pero the next na, naging open na siya, nakikihalubilo na siya, at saka nagsasalita nakipag-participate na siya sa discussion at kaya niya na tumayo sa harap no at mag-report na kasi di ba may mga reporting naman tayo sa aming mga nakita na na mga leaders yung confidence nila na sumali na sa mga conferences and consultations nakasama ang ibang batang walang kapansanan pangatlo sila ay nakapag-facilitate na no ng simple na activity may group activity kaya na nila mag magfacilitate siguro yung highest ay yung mga leaders sila mismo ay nag-organize na ng isang proyekto yun yung ano nakikita ko at naranasan ko ng mga indicators para masabi ko na empower yung isang bata because of the charity and medical model ang nagiging resulta nilo ay yung pagkawala ng confidence, pagkababa ng self-esteem, pagkaroon no, ng tingin na wala silang kapangyarihan. It's really very challenging. Hindi nga nila alam na meron pala sila din karapatan tulad ng ibang mga tao. That's very interesting, Sir Ranin, no? na you're still able to bring your experiences as an educator to to the work that you do now as a leader in the in the community. And uh, the things that you shared are simple yet valid ways to determine that there is progress or that you're sensing the community. So Ken, yeah, Ken has a question. Yes. So, sir, so what projects do we have to encourage more participation in the community? Isa sa mga primary advocacy ng Norfield Foundation ay ang the right to participation, especially the right to participation of children with disabilities. Kasi napakahirap na magbigay ng training sa mga batang may kapansanan, lalo na when it comes to participation. I'm sure, Ken, you are aware doon sa UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. Kasi doon sa CRC, may apat doon na cluster of rights or yung iba yung tawag is substantive rights. 
So itong apat na to ay survival, development, protection, and participation. So ang naiiwan parati dito ay ang participation rights. That's why isa to sa mga tinutukan din no, ng Norfil at ng Philippine Partnership on Children with Disabilities ang participation rights. Ang pilosopiya ko kasi uh, wala pang gumagawa nito. Pwede natin na umpisahan. Kasi kung hindi natin umpisahan, sino yung mag-umpisa? So actually ako talaga yung nag-conceptualize ng training module na to. And then now we are in the process of coming up with a guidebook on the participation of children with disabilities. So sir, you talk about participation and empowerment in an organizational level, societal level. It, we're looking at it from that perspective. But we also have listeners who are advocates at home and they may have kids who are within the PWD community. And I would just like to ask, how do we start raising an empowered child? Lahat ng mga sinasabi natin dapat mag- magsimula muna sa ating sarili. Pagkatapos no, ng ating sarili, halimbawa pagkatapos ng magulang, dapat sa loob ng pamilya nila. At dapat pare-pareho ang pagkaintindi, ang ginagawa sa loob ng pamilya. We cannot expect the society to accept, to recognize the rights of children with disabilities kung hindi naumpisahan sa loob. So if the families wants that their children will be accepted, will be recognized as rights holder, it must start within the family first. Tulad din yung sinabi ko nga sa mga therapist, ang bibigyan talaga natin ng pagpansin ay ang pag-i-empower, pag-capacitate no, sa family members na sila mismo ang gagawa ng intervention. Ako yung tawag namin na talagang ginagawa namin home management program na may pandemic man o wala. Dapat sila ang manguna sa pagawa ng intervention para sa kanilang mga anak. Ang mga professionals no tulad ni Ken no, uh, they can train, they can help, they can coach, they can mentor, pero ultimately it must be the family. Lahat ay nagsisimula sa pamilya. So kung gusto natin may pagbabago, tanggapin yung ating anak ng lipunan, simula natin sa loob ng pamilya. Sir, so I've got to say that you're a very inspiring person. And to our listeners who might have been inspired by your words, how do I get myself involved in your projects or in your advocacy? Lahat tayo ay may karapatan, may kapansanan man, wala. Let's do our best to treat each other as human being and recognize our inherent rights. At this time of pandemic, let's be kind to each other and let's always think of our supreme being. Let's project hope na even in this darkest hour, this too will pass and we will welcome a brighter future for all of us, for all humanity. Thank you so much, Sir Daniel. Everything you said makes sense. Right, Ken? I mean, you and I are not new to the development world. And we always hear someone say that everyone has to be represented on the table. We hear that a lot, right? And having Sir Daniel in the program today explains that perfectly. When we talk of policies, when we talk of laws, when we talk of anything that would affect the lives of people with disability, it is important that they are there 
present in the conversation and they are in the table where the decisions are being made. Yes, and I agree. And if you guys can remember from our episode with Marcos, he said a very important phrase saying that nothing about them without them. And I think this is a perfect way to ground and characterize the experience not only of people with disabilities but to other minorities as well. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Marcos because Marcos also mentioned the medical model. Now, I would just like to make something clear. Does this mean that within the disability world, you do not use the medical and the charity model anymore? Well, not necessarily. So, Sir Anil mentioned a lot of models to understand the experience of people with disability. Like, for example, he was able to mention the charity model. So, each of these models have different merits. And they also have the their own specific benefits. So when we look at the charity model, it gives an opportunity for people with disabilities and their families for their needs to be augmented or at least given some level of temporary aid. We look at the medical model and how it is able to diagnose, to treat and evaluate illness and provide the immediate and necessary care. Another dimension to it is also making people aware of different health conditions and making them lesser at risk of them being exposed to different illnesses and disease. A model that was also mentioned was the social model, wherein we look at different types of environmental modifications that we can do to improve the lives of PWDs and their families. And lastly, the more contemporary model talks about people with disabilities having equal rights as anybody else. Therefore, I wanted to reiterate and highlight that all of these models have their own merits and have their own benefits and have contributed and made the lives of people with disabilities better. So in the interview, Sir Daniel mentioned a lot of systemic ways to ensure participation. And although he mentioned how everything starts at home, I just want to ask, like, how do we bring it down to, let's say, the level of us? For example, both of us, we're advocates. How do we practice participation in the community that we have access to? Well, thank you so much for that question. To put it simply, we really need to go back to the definition of the principle of participation, that when we are able to translate this concept to the community, this takes securing spaces for people with disabilities in places of power. We should also provide opportunities and processes that work for people with disability. And at the same time, it's truly about advocating and making the communities more aware of their rights. And this is, simply put, participation. So once we put them in position, the next question now is... How do we make them stay? And that, my friend, is the principle that we are going to be talking about in the next episode. Oh, okay. Okay, so I, I don't want to foreshadow anything, but a lot of the concepts that I've heard while studying things in the development world were really humanized listening to everything that Sir Anil had to say. And same here. I was very moved with Sir Anil's story from someone who is coming from the province, made changes with his life, and now making changes for others. And I think that's very cool. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and share our page with your friends. Reaching communities help us fulfill the overall goal of this podcast. You may also write down stories and ideas that help embrace diversity and build a stronger, more inclusive society at our comment section. And of course, join us again next time for another episode here on Small Talks, Big Moves, conversations for a more inclusive society. Thank you.